Happy Thursday, everyone. This is Hippie Mama, and it is hot, hot, hot. Isn't there a song? Hot, hot, hot. I don't remember. I think so. Anyway, it's hot. Um, today, guys, I'm going to take you on the wilder side of food cuisine. And I actually don't think that these global delicacies are are strange because you know what we have a tendency anything that we're not accustomed to eating we have a tendency to look at as um, on the weird strange wild side but you know things that we eat in other cultures may be considered very taboo may be looked at as oh how could you possibly eat that i mean think about it in india the cows are considered sacred in america all we do is i mean we we slaughter so many cows um because we just can't seem to get enough of the the food consumption of the meat consumption so I always get a little bit, um, what's the word? I guess, I don't want to say frustrated, but I think that we really have to learn how to expand our minds and our ways of thinking and know that just because we may, we may not have grown up on certain foods that um, other cultures and other people around the world eat, it doesn't mean that it's, um, it's something that's to be frowned upon or looked uh, upon as bad. And, you know, you just have to be willing to open your mind um, and be willing to uh, explore what other people uh, consume as, as normal as what we consume when we eat hamburgers or, um, I don't know what another, like in the South. <laughs> Um, some people may not know what rutabagas are. Um, my mom loves them. I love them. But it's a root, right? It's this vegetable root that has to be cooked just right in order for you to really um, get the benefits or taste of it. And some people may know exactly what I'm talking about. But, you know, it's, it's just strange whenever it's something that you're not accustomed to eating and... Uh, you know, we can say, ooh, rutabagas, that's horrible, but you know what? How do you know unless you've ever tasted it? Now, if you've tasted it and you still think it's horrible, well, that's a different story, right? At least you tried it and you know it, but to look at something and to think that it's disgusting or, uh, ooh, that's weird, you know, you're not opening your mind and you really need to. Uh, some things that we think we may not like uh, food-wise, you might actually like or find it surprising. So I want to talk to you about these. Um, there are 10 delicacies and this was out of the Woman's Day magazine. It was back in 2010, so I'm going way back now, guys. But it's called 10 Daring Global Delicacies and it was by Olivia Putino uh, in the Woman's Day magazine. So let's just get started. Um, the first one is uh, bird's nest soup. Okay, this is out of China. I've actually seen 
them harvest. And these men really risk their lives because it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's swallow. It's the swallow bird. Uh, and they build their nest high up in the, the crevices of the mountains. Um, and um, they really, really, you know, take a chance at harvesting this uh, bird's nest. Uh, and in the writing here, it says it's also known as the caviar of the East. And a dish or bowl of this soup can go anywhere from $30 up to $100 a bowl, which now it's probably increased because this is over 11 years ago that this was even written. Um, but they said that the soup is comprised of a nest covered in light chicken broth. Uh, and it is eaten by people around the world. And looking at it, it looks no different to me than a bowl of broth with maybe mm, some of the clear kind of um, noodles that you can find sometimes, or uh, maybe like pieces of um, chicken meat uh, kind of uh, t texture to it. But, you know, again, you can't knock it until you try it because you just never know. It actually may be very tasty. Uh, I think it's our thought process of, hmm, if I eat this, what is it going to taste like? But sometimes if you don't even know what you're eating and you eat it and you're like, oh my gosh, I love it. You know, that's the, and I'll say this really quick, I, I get off topic sometimes. Um, but like my daughter does not like mushrooms. I happen to love mushrooms. Um, it's funny though, because I only like the portabella, the big caps and the button mushrooms, like any other of them, the oyster, the um, shiitake, like all, I, I can't eat them because I don't know why I think the flavor profile is just, is very strong for me. But um, so one day what I did, I actually chopped them up, like in the food processor, threw them in some ground beef, and she was none the wiser. Now, thank goodness, and of course I knew that she wasn't allergic to it, I just knew that she didn't like it. Um, but she ate the ground beef because we had it like within spaghetti. And so that's what I'm, I guess that's the whole point for saying what I'm just saying, what I'm saying now is that, you know, we say we don't like something based on our perception or what we think or what others have said about it. But if you're not allergic to it and you actually try it in a dish, that you don't know that you're actually trying it in, you may really actually like the the um, the the whatever it is that you say you don't like. Okay, so the next one is fried tarantulas, and this is in Cambodia. And another thing, I mean, because obviously I love watching um, the cooking shows sometimes, and I used to really be a big big avid. Uh, avid watcher of, I think it was Andrew Zimmerman. So he did a lot of bizarre food um, shows. And I do remember one time seeing that episode where he was in Cambodia and they had the fried tarantulas. So the women, they harvest some, I think the men do too sometimes, they harvest the tarantulas and they use um, 
the packet of seasoning that we get out of the oodles and noodles, that type of seasoning packet, if I'm not mistaken, and they sprinkle it on the tarantulas for flavor. Uh, and then they deep fry them. And, you know, I think he even said it was it was good, you know, I, but again, we have to get past our own fears, our versions of different things because it's what's stopping us. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, okay, because I could not eat a roach or a grasshopper um, and I know that they, they cook them in so many different restaurants, uh, especially like um, in Upper New York, I believe they have a lot of these restaurants where they serve you um, insects. Um, and I know that a lot of places are using cricket powder because it's just, it's like healthy protein, it's in abundance. Um, you know, this is supposed to be the wave of the future. I personally don't think I could ever get on board with it, not knowingly. Now, if somebody gave me a a, a tortilla made of out of cricket flour, I wouldn't know the difference, I'm sure, if I ate it, unless they told me. Um, so again, it's our, our perception of what we think and what we're seeing that gives us sometimes that aversion of, oh, I don't wanna eat that. But, I've heard that the grasshoppers uh, deep fried or roasted were really good. The tarantulas are probably really good. They actually add garlic and salt to it. So, I mean, who doesn't like garlic and salt, right? So, I mean, again, if I could get past the actual um, shape of what I'm eating, I probably would like it too. Okay, so the Baloo, okay, I also saw this one on Andrew Zimmerman's show. Uh, now this one would be very hard for me to eat. And the reason being is because this is a, an embryo in a, a chicken egg or a duck egg. And it's like in a boiled state, um, but it is pretty much a formed, almost a formed, um, egg okay uh and it's boiled and eaten right out of the shell obviously they said it's protein packed um and this usually sells twelve dollars per dozen so it's like a dollar uh, egg that one i would really have a hard time with and i i mean and i don't mean any disrespect even if it was uh cut up because in for me <laughs> even whenever i'm eating a, a regular boiled egg chicken egg if I don't cook that egg all the way, I get sick. I cannot eat my eggs sunny side up. I do not eat my eggs um, runny at all. Like my eggs have to be cooked. I'm not talking about rubber cooked, but I can't have any um, liquid at all coming out of the egg. Um, so I know I would not be able to uh, consume this one. And now I know I'm probably not going to pronounce this right, but I'm going to do my very best. It is Senakaji. Senakaji? Senakaji? It's Korea. It's in Korea, but this is octopus, um, live octopus. And usually the live octopus legs 
again, I've seen this one too, and I've seen people eating it. And sometimes, and I don't know how often, but they were saying sometimes, I mean, you know, this could be eat at your own risk because because the octopus is still moving, it can actually get lodged in your throat, um, or you may have a hard time swallowing it if it's still moving. So this one is, they said, sushi is pretty common in the United States, which is true, which I do not eat because I don't eat raw fish. Um, but sushi is very common here. Um, and even they said occasionally eating octopus. Uh, but I think most of the octopus has been cooked or grilled. Um, but live octopus, probably not so much, right? Uh, but this is a huge, um, huge uh, delicacy or uh, meal in Korea. And I'm trying to see, they said, if that's not enough of a dare for you. Be aware that the dish can actually be quite dangerous. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking about. So the suction cups can stick to your mouth or to your throat. And that's what I remember seeing. Well, it didn't actually happen to anybody um, that was eating it on, on his show, but I remember they were talking about it. And you know, one thing that I have to say about um, the presentation of the food in Japan or Korea or China, it is all, I mean, the vegetables, everything always looks so tantalizing. Like if I was a person that actually ate seafood, that would probably be one of the places I would wanna go to eat it because they are so creative with how they, you know, even down to, making a cucumber look like a flower. I mean, their craftsmanship on how they prepare their food, it makes you want to eat it. It, it just looks so good. Okay, um, there's a coffee bean in Indonesia, uh, Kopi Luwaka, Kopi Luwaka. I may be, I'm, I might pretty closely be pronouncing this wrong, but it's also known as Savet coffee. Uh, it is the most expensive coffee in the world. And if this is the one I'm thinking about, this is the one that is pooped through an animal. And yeah, I, this is it. It says um, it is the most expensive coffee in the world, ringing in at $75 quarter pound. Now, first of all, I am not a coffee drinker. I have never been a coffee drinker except for once in my life at the age of five, between five and seven, when I tried to drink my daddy's Senka caffeinated coffee. I don't even think they make Senka anymore, but Senka sunk my heart and it felt like it was going to drop. And once I regained my composure, seven years old mind you yes i was drinking coffee because it smelled good um i have never put another drop of coffee in my mouth ever since the age of that when that happened i was between five and seven years old but so this is 75 dollars per quarter pound the coffee is only made on the islands of sumatra uh hava and su suwa suwa oh my god sulawesi God, I am sorry, please forgive me for really messing up these names. And what makes it so special is the processing cycle. A small tree dwelling animal, the common palm givet, 
eats the outer layer of the coffee cherry, but does not digest the inner bean. Thus, the droppings contain intact beans mixed with digestive enzymes, enzymes which locals collect and sell to vendors who sun-dry the beans before putting them on the market. Yeah, not for me. Okay, uh, now in Vietnam, there is snake wine. And I have seen this before as well. Uh, this Vietnamese wine is processed by fermenting a dead cobra or scorpion in a bottle filled with rice wine vinegar or grain alcohol. The venom is deactivated by the ethanol. Importation of the wine is illegal in many countries because cobras are on the endangered species list. So the best snake wines can only be found online and are priced in the range of at least $100. I'm not a wine connoisseur, so I probably wouldn't like that. And you're not actually drinking the snake. It is just fermented. And I like fermented stuff. I do kombucha. And that's some pretty wicked stuff, let me tell you. <laughs> or at least how it looks um, when you see that little mucusy thing floating around in your tea. Um, you know, that can be something that can be off-putting to a lot of people. I personally like it. I don't drink it. I don't eat it. Um, and if I'm happening to be, because um, uh, I like to use a straw when I drink kombucha just because it can wear down the enamel of your teeth. Um, you know, and I happen to get one and they call them Ubers because <laughs> they, they look like a booger, okay, but they're bigger. Um, I obviously, I don't drink it. I just, you know, yeah, discard that. All right, um, haggis. I have heard of haggis. This is in Scotland. It is the intestine or the sheep stomach, right, with all of the other stuff put into it. Organ meats, um, they put onions, spices, oatmeal. Now, I have had liver. I used to, we grew up in the country and we grew up eating um, all of the animal that my dad would slaughter, which we used to have hogs. And so we would eat the liver, we would eat, um, they would make um, sausage, head hog sausage. So yes, that's part of the head. I don't know if it had brain in it. I have no idea because I was a kid and I just know everything tasted really good. <laughs> um, and I would eat that. So this does not gross me out. Um, probably the thing though that I, because I don't eat chitlins and if any of you guys out there know chitlins are the intestine of the, the animal or the pig. Uh, so I don't eat that, but I can imagine that this haggis maybe would have something of that same kind of flavor or taste towards it. Um, but you know, and then it says um, that all of the ingredients are boiled together for about three hours. Traditionally, haggis is served with turnips, mashed potatoes, and a small amount of whiskey. And they have gravy over this one. Okay, stuffed Campbell, camel in Dubai. I have seen uh, cooking episodes of a whole camel cook, not their legs. Let me, I, maybe I need to be a little bit more specific but um well 
pretty much their trunk, I guess. That was it, I'm thinking, and um, the, the head. Um, so you've probably heard of riding a camel, but what about eating them? In Persia, the Persian Gulf, a common wedding dish is stuffed camel, which is made by first packing chicken and lamb with rice and eggs, then stuffing that into a washed and skinned camel. The creation is then broiled using charcoal pit and topped with nuts. And this is for weddings, and as many as 20 chickens are used in addition to the 60 eggs. Five pounds of pepper, a whole camel, and a whole lamb. Wow, and that serves about 90 people. I mean, you know, economically, that is a really good wedding idea when you think about it. That feeds a lot of people. Uh, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody mention what that would taste like. Um, I don't know, but I would imagine it was it would be nice and tender. Um, maybe like um, a beef consistency when you um, you know have a, a roast or something. So maybe like that. Okay, Harkel is in Iceland, and Harkland. Uh, is served during the Icelandic Midwinter Festival in Thorablot. It says this dish is actually rotten shark meat that's been buried and left to decompose in the ground for a few months. Okay, so again, guys, everything's like fermented. It's it's you know aged. Um, not necessarily a bad thing. I think it definitely acquires a certain um, uh, a taste um, and it says after that the meat is left on a drying rack for two months more leaving a white edible flesh the only way the shark can be eaten is if it goes through this process otherwise it's high amounts of uric acid make the meat toxic See, I did not know that wow and so when I'm looking at it if you guys have ever seen what's called fat back or, um, yeah, I think that's the only name I know it by. But pretty much it's almost like a big, thick chunk of bacon without a lot of the meaty flesh to it. So it's more of the fat piece to it. That's what this looks like. It's just cut up in it's nice off-white, off-peck kind of color. Okay, a fried brain sandwich that's here in the United States. Um, it says this list wouldn't be complete without an American dish. How true is that? And there are few that are more, shall we say, toxic than fried cow's brain. Originally, the dish was on the menus across St. Louis, Missouri, but now it is available mostly in the Ohio River Valley. And it's just sliced calves brain battered and fried. So, you know, we eat a lot of different things that, you know, some people may or may not agree with. Again, I grew up in the South, so there's a lot of stuff. You know, I grew up eating pig's tail, pig's ears, uh, pig's feet, chicken feet. <laughs> I mean, we, we ate it, right? We didn't want to waste any of the animal. And I think, uh, you know, we, we, we harvest the resources that we have available to us in the countries that we live in. And it doesn't mean that, you know, me eating pig feet is 
is nasty to everybody because some people love it. I don't eat it now, I ate it as a kid, but you know, I love beets to this very day. I love beets. A lot of people don't eat beets because they say it tastes like dirt. You know, to each is its own, right? So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you guys today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed like reading through it and, and looking at it and remembering seeing it on TV and people eating it and talking about it. And I think that's really great if we could all just, you know, kind of forget about it's not the norm for us and just realize that it is the norm for someone just like what we eat may not be the norm for them so anyway just a little bit for thursday i actually went over my time so i'm going to get off here thank you guys for listening god bless you i will be back tomorrow and have a great night's sleep good night